Hello, hello. I'm Sam Sanders here in L.A. right now talking with my friend, Linda Holmes, who is in D.C. Hi, Sam. Is it cold out there? It's really cold. <laughs> it's really cold and windy. My dog does not like it at all. Linda hosts the wonderful podcast, Pop Culture Happy Hour. She hosts it from D.C. Linda, what do you love about D.C.? I love the theater in D.C. Mm-hmm. I love the, the beautiful snowy days in D.C., even when they're really cold. Uh, I love the opportunity to see random, famous politicians and other media figures walking around on our streets. Yeah. What about you, Sam? What do you like about L.A.? Gosh, everything. Um, I love the weather, even though today it's raining. Really strange. I like how laid back people here on the West Coast are. I also like the fact that I have two NPR member stations in my backyard. L.A. has KPCC and KCRW. And in this month of giving... I am giving to both of those stations because I like them both. That's right. And here at NPR, we are in the home territory of WAMU, and we love them as well. And so if you want to give to your local station like Sam and I are going to be doing, go over to donate.npr.org slash happy and give them your support just like Sam and me. And you can give more than once to more than one station with more than one link. You can also give to NPR stations through donate.npr.org slash Sam. That's pretty fancy, Sam. It's your name right there. I'm so trying. go ahead and give us your support at donate.npr.org slash happy or donate.npr.org slash Sam. All right. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Hey, y'all. This is Sam's Aunt Betty. This week on the show, NPR reporter Nathan Rott and reporter for KPCC Southern California Public Radio, Prisca Neely. All right. Let's start the show. Woo! We've never had a woo to start. I like oh, that. Okay. Do it again. Woo! Okay. Really? About, that's never happened before? Never happened before. Mm. Ow! Also never happened okay. before. <laughs> hey, y'all from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. Here today with two great guests, as Aunt Betty said. Two friends of mine, Priska Neely, early childhood reporter for KPCC, and Nate Rott, reporter at NPR, covering, quote, the ever-changing face of the American West. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> catchy, There's a huh? title. Happy weekend. Glad y'all are here. We are joined in studio today uh, by Janelle I Monet. wish that were really true. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be so excited. Pink when you're blushing inside. This is her song, Pink. Baby, pink is the truth you can't hide. Which I think had probably the best music video of the year. But I'm playing Pink by Janelle Monet because her album Dirty Computer was just named by NPR Music as the best album of 2018. Awesome. I do like her. Sam, do you remember when I dressed as Janelle Monet at a Halloween party of yours in like 2010? <laughs> I do remember. I think it no, was one, a great no one look. knew who I was. I knew who you were. You did, but time. like. And your vindication is now. I like your bow tie. And, you know, anyway. Your vindication is now because Janelle Monet <laughs> is the artist of the year, according to NPR, Ooh. album of the year. And fun fact all of NPR Music's 10 best albums this year were made by women. That's awesome. Huh. And they said, we didn't plan for it to be this way. It just happened this way. So you're the woman. Also, fun, fun fact, Spotify released its list of most streamed artists this year. Drake topped the list. He's a dude. Followed by Post Malone. The five most streamed songs on Spotify this year, all made by men. Mm. Moral of the story is, if you want superficial, shallow popularity, go to the guys. (laughs) But if you want critical acclaim, go to the women. I mean, like, I don't 
dislike Post Malone. I like some of his music. Oh, yeah. What's about to happen? Oh, What's about to happen like, right now? I'm like, what? I just, just look at him. <laughs> okay. Congratulations to Janelle Monet and to all of the other artists honored by NPR Music this week. Check out that list and other lists uh, about the year of music at nprmusic.org. Okay, we're going to start as we always do. I'm going to ask my panelists to sum up their week of news in three words. Uh, Nate... I feel like I think I know where you're going to go with this because I know what you've been covering recently. Starts with the C, ends with limate. And it. <laughs> climate. Yes. Yeah, climate yes. change. Go ahead. What are your three words? All right. So my three words are kicking the can. Okay. Because I've done a lot of reporting recently about communities that are trying to address or they know climate change is coming. They just don't want to be the ones that fully take it on. That's like all of us, right? That's like all of us, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's been a lot of news in that regard this week. If okay. you look at what happened in France, right? France was trying to pass a tax on gas. There yeah. were protests in the street, rioting, 250-some people injured. And the tax would be to help offset climate change? It would basically say, hey, we're going to charge you more for your diesel and your gasoline, right, mm-hmm. in your car. Because mm-hmm. transportation is a huge contributor to greenhouse gases. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, People were furious about it. And it's one of those taxes. This is a thing you got to figure out with climate change. How do you how do you basically tax carbon in a way that doesn't affect poor people the most? Yeah, because if it's a flat tax, it's more of a, of a percentage of low-income folks' income. Right. And this happens in California. It comes up all the time, right? Like yeah. we were talking about doing a, a gas tax here, an, an increased gas tax here. Yeah. Well, and like this is the thing that I think we're finally talking about. Uh, the effects of climate change over time will lead to political unrest. Oh, Yeah. You know, Big no one's thinking about that yet. I mean, but there's also some climate uh, news from the U.N. this week. There was some summit. Yeah. So there's a summit in Poland where you've got climate scientists, world leaders all gathering uh, to talk about climate change and the issues that it presents. There's obviously the Paris Climate Accord. They're going to do check-ins to see where nations are for that. Uh, it's not great news. Uh, we're not really... We're not hitting the mark. We're not hitting the mark. Well, and I also heard you did a story this week that basically warned us about rising sea levels. You've been yeah. into that for a while? Yeah. So I went to Southern, like this town in, called Del Mar. It's one of you know, countless coastal communities around the country that are basically trying to figure out, like, they know that sea level rise is coming. They know it's happening. And so how are they going to prepare for it? Well, and move, right? Well, so here's the thing, right? So that's what's complicated about the story. And the story that I tried doing was basically saying, like, this is how difficult even the conversation of mm. climate change can be. Mm-hmm. Because people in this town essentially thought the second you start saying that Retreat. It's called managed retreat. Might As in, like, be a we thing. know the sea level is going to rise we, to our house. We got to move. Right. Well, or it's it's a strategy you might want to think about. Okay. But if you put that into a formalized document, uh-huh. homeowners, property mm-hmm. owners were like, my property value tanks. Right. right. So, okay. like, they want to try to do sand replenishment. So, put more sand on the beaches. They want to have more hard defenses. So, like, keep seawalls up. And another effect of climate change, it's not just the sea levels are coming up, it's that in California, we're going to have potentially huge torrential rainstorms, kind of like we saw yesterday, record-breaking rain in in LA. That's going to cause inland coastal flooding that can end up being an issue. Not to mention the fires. Not to mention the fires. That's been a thing. Which you've covered for a while. Covered that. Prisca, it feels like whenever I hear these stories about how real-life people are reacting to potential effects of climate change, a lot of the resistance to doing what needs to be done to address it is sentimental. I don't want to leave my house. I don't want to leave my place. I don't want to give up 
my big car. I mean, I think it's just like so many other issues. You don't want to make a big change. You don't have that real shift in your mindset until something happens to you, like until it's your town, until it's your house that has burned, until, you know, I mean, I think it's hard for people to kind of conceptually wrap their head around a change, especially when it comes to taxes. Like, you know, if paying more is the answer, it's hard to see that as a solution until, you know, it's kind of hitting you personally in in a tragic way. Yeah. Oi. On that note. Yeah, and the lightest note for Friday. (laughs) Prisco, do you have three words? I do. Mine are also not light. That's fine. (laughs) It's fine. Um, So mine are kind of in the form of a question, where to start? Mm. Um, I'm thinking about that, you know, kind of along with what what Nate just said, but, um, you know, this is the beginning of the legislative session in, in, California. Cal- in California. There were like 100 bills proposed this week. And, you know, um, also I've been thinking about this because for much of the year I've been covering a topic that is very heavy, but it's um, the issue of black infant mortality. Mm. Um, black babies in the United States are twice as likely to die in their first year of life than white babies. Wait, wait, wait. Stop. Twice as likely. Two times more likely to die in their first year of life. Across the country. Across the country. And this is not new. This is something that's been, uh, this gap in birth outcomes has been there for decades. And um, the leading cause of the deaths is prematurity. Babies are born too early, they're born too small, and they don't make it either out of the hospital or from complications um, later in their first year of life. What are the three or four biggest reasons for this disparity that you know? So... The focus right now is really on the social determinants of health and the ways that racial discrimination, the history of racism in this country, is having an impact on health. So hmm. the focus is on looking at the the role of chronic stress and how black women throughout their lives carry that stress and that Due during to pregnancy, of huh. yeah, because of the effects of racism and how that you know, demonstrates itself during pregnancy, which is a stressful time, causing preterm birth, causing some of the other conditions. So, okay, how do you deal with that? So you mentioned this week that California, the state house is back in session. Are they trying to tackle this issue? Well, you know, my my three words, where to start. Mm -hmm. Um, In L.A. County, the rates are actually higher. Black babies are three times more likely to die. And this is something we have new leadership in the health department. Mm -hmm. Um, So the conversation about racism is new in L.A. Having the head of the public Department of Health come out and say racism is something that we need to focus on. Stress, alleviating stress in the lives of women caused by racism. That's, That's something that hasn't been said. That's yeah. something that in the Bay Area they're talking about. In Sacramento this week, um, they actually reported a huge dip in the numbers of infant deaths over the past few years. And huh. they've, I, you know, it's just a sustained focus. You have to have a leadership who cares about this over a sustained time. They had $14 yeah. million dollars put huh. into their Plan. Sounds like there are some parallels between this issue yeah. and climate change. You're Absolutely. saying that there has to be sustained attention and someone has to just start. Something we've known about for decades, uh-huh. just haven't addressed. But, but yeah. I will say that, you know, talking about it, That's where, where to start, yeah. talking about it. Okay, really trying to move past the talk to action. America, talk it out. Yeah, please. Stop kicking that can. <laughs> yeah. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders here with two guests today, Nate Rott, reporter for NPR's National Desk, and Priska Neely covering early childhood for NPR member station KPCC. You're wearing a KPCC sweatshirt. I am. You know, it's Swag. a way to, to to be casual on a Friday, but also professional because it says <laughs> the emblem of my workplace on it. That's my strategy. That's what my slippers are for, too. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Your uh-huh. NPR slippers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I have three words, y'all. All right, let's hear them. No more hagiography. What is Whoa. hagiography? Writing about someone or talking about someone as if to make them a saint. 
Uh-huh. And I'm bringing this up this week because I, I think it. the media industry has done this all week with uh, recently deceased President George H.W. Bush. Hmm. One, I think that the news media and journalists should always hold politicians at like a healthy remove, right. even in death. But I think when we cover these politicians in such a fawning manner, we lose a teachable moment in which we can talk about the complicated legacy of someone like H.W. Bush, as well as the country. Prisca? Is your objection that to to exalt like a political figure like this, or is it is it just kind of the way that we cover funerals? It's kind of both. Now, I like th- you know, yeah. a, a, a all day Aretha I'll, coverage. Yeah. Or, yeah, or like yesterday, there was a ca- a camera showing the train that he's on right now, going back to Texas. Yeah, I really think that like the media as a whole, news media as a whole has bent over backwards to cover the death and multiple funerals of this man in an overly sentimental, overdone, and performative way. I think we turned into funeral criers this week, and it is not the role of journalists. Like, things that we miss out on when we don't have a conversation that that accepts nuance in his life is that, like, he had a really weird history with race. He had a complicated legacy on AIDS. People don't know that George H.W. Bush went from being uh, an ardent supporter of Planned Parenthood to voting against family planning and taking away funding for family planning. And I think for me, the true lesson of George H.W. Bush's life is how his tenure in the GOP and how he changed over time shows how that party has changed over time. Right. And that's interesting. I think it's so, it's yeah. hard, you know. In in death, I don't think in general people know how to respond to death, you right. know, kind of like on an interpersonal level, yeah. just what to say. But also, you know, it's hard when, when you talk about legacy to figure out a way to balance in a respectful way the negatives in with the the positives. Yeah. Right? And I think we there's saw... a tendency to just focus on, on the positives because yeah. it right. feels disrespectful otherwise. Yeah. yeah, We saw this with John McCain, too. Right. Oh, I mean, yeah. It was a... yeah. But let me, I don't know that I even truly believe this, but I'm just going to play devil's advocate for a second and say, we are so divided, it seems like, as a country right now. And when you have these sort of massive funerals, at least, at least like, at least it kind of brings people together. So is that a, is that a bad thing? But here's my pushback on that. It is not the job of journalists. For sure. To push the nation towards a moment of national unity. Call me, call me crazy. <laughs> cranky old I'm Sam. cranky. Hmm. I'm cranky about it. Anyway. Oh, None of us are saints. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's time for a break. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk about the state of Brexit right now. Explained by Real Live Brit. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Gelmar CLR. Whatever you call your home, Gelmar knows you take great pride in keeping it clean. That's where CLR comes in. CLR dissolves calcium, lime, and rust all around the house using natural ingredients, not harsh chemicals. It even carries the EPA's Safer Choice seal. Keep your little piece of the planet looking its best with CLR, making the world a little cleaner. Support also comes from Wix.com, a web platform for creating your own professional website. With Wix, whether it's your first time creating a website or you're a longtime pro, you can do it yourself. 
Choose from hundreds of stunning templates or start from scratch. With the drag-and-drop technology and powerful web features, join over 125 million people already using Wix to create their own websites. Go to wix.com to create yours today. So what will you create? Hey everyone, I'm Robin Hilton with All Songs Considered, NPR's weekly music discovery podcast. We know it's hard to keep up with all the great albums coming out each week, so every Friday we do a quick run through the most essential releases. Get new music Friday from All Songs Considered in the NPR One app or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders here with two guests, Nate Rott uh, covering the environment for NPR and Prisca Neely covering early childhood for NPR member station Supreme, KPCC. Woo-woo. KPCC. You're wooing today. I'm into it. I don't, I, I feel like I'm, okay, yeah. No, I like it. Can I'll you stop. Give us another one? I'll stop. No, I feel that like you want me to stop. Give us no. one more woo. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, before we get back into the news, I want to play you all a song. How does the song make you feel? Like nice and slow. Relaxed. Relaxed. Keyword, relaxed. Take your mind. Step back. It's like one of those YouTube meditation videos. Breathe in. You are beautiful. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) So this song is called Weightless. It's by Marconi Union. And a recent study found that playing this song uh, reduced people's anxiety by 65%. Wow, I can feel my shoulders just like opening up right now. They had participants attempt to solve difficult puzzles while attached to like sensors. The puzzles induce stress and... uh, the scientists played what kind of puzzles. Word I don't puzzles know. Or Maybe I don't know. Jigsaw puzzles. puzzles. Okay. So the scientists played certain songs to see if the songs brought down their stress levels as they took the test. This song worked. What do you listen to when you're like writing? When you're writing a long piece, what do you listen to? The frantic beating of my heart. Prisca, <laughs> <laughs> what do you? Listen what do you guys listen to? Stress. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't. No, I don't listen to music when I'm. I just talk to myself a lot, out loud a lot. So I listen to the side of the sound of my own voice. Nice, nice. I do do a lot of puzzles. Jigsaw puzzle. I'm in a puzzling phase right now. Oh, so. oh wow. What about um, you? Any music that these yeah, So I listen to like, I, this is going to tell a lot about my personality, but like Braveheart Pandora. I'm still on Pandora, guys. All right. Like, Braveheart that's not Pandora. bad. No. Spotify, okay. if you go to like, there's like Hans Zimmer, who's the composer for mm-hmm. like all the Batman movies. So movie Gladi- scores? Movie scores, man. Yeah, then I can you see get, that. Yeah. Interstellar, really? the Interstellar soundtrack. <laughs> Tell me you can't write that. That will motivate you. I could imagine that being But like de-stress, like Friday night you're tired, it was a long week. Yeah, I'm not listening to that because that just makes me feel like I'm in it, you know? If I really want to just like calm myself down, I I play gospel music. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Give me that Jesus. (laughs) 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 Now it's time to uh, talk about a story that is causing me lots of stress. Uh Uh-oh. Talking what about is it? Brexit. Why is it causing you stress? Because it is unresolved. This story has been in our in our view for like over two years now, and it's still nowhere near being done. It's the other side of the pond, man. I care about them. <laughs> he cares about the world. <laughs> they affect us. And it's weird because like usually there are some stories that I glom onto and want to talk about all the time. And with those stories, I tend to learn more and know more about the story the more I follow it. With Brexit. 
the more I follow it, the more the confused you know. I am. Yeah. Mm. It's such a complex thing. And I mean, it's in the news recently because the UK's parliament has to vote on an exit plan on Tuesday. And Theresa May, the prime minister there, got this deal approved by EU leaders a while back. So it's in crunch time because the actual Brexit exit has to happen by like March of next year. Anyway, all the new headlines have me even more confused. So I called up, you guys both know him well, uh, I called up the BBC's Rich Preston. I hear a lovely accent. Is that Sam Sanders? <laughs> yes, it is. Hey, Rich. Hey, how are you? So Rich told yeah, me that well. no matter Why what happens so on Tuesday, bad. everyone in the UK is going to feel it. Being part of the European Union is something that affects your everyday life. Mm -hmm. And many people would argue in a positive way, but many also would argue in a negative way. So, for example, when I was covering the Brexit referendum, I went to uh, a guy that uh, has a factory producing smoked salmon. And he was campaigning to leave the European Union because he said that bureaucracy from Brussels was you know, taking over his business and costing him a fortune. You know, he was only allowed to sell packets of fish, for example, if it had a warning label on it saying this product contains fish. Uh, people also argue <laughs> that Brits shouldn't be bound by legal rulings that come from the European Court of Justice. So it's it's these kind of things. And then yeah. immigration was a That's huge a big underlying point. issue, right? Like, I mean, immigration was a big because one. Because right now, to be part of the EU, uh, all of the countries in the EU have something like open borders and, and free passage between these nations? That's right. There's something called the Schengen Agreement, which means restriction-free travel, basically. So I have mm -hmm. a British passport. If I wanted to go and live and work in Paris in France, I could. If I yeah. wanted to move to Berlin, Germany, I could. Mm -hmm. And as the European Union has got bigger, obviously that's meant it's easier for more people to move around. And in the past few years, that's been a particularly contentious point here in yeah. the UK on Brexit. Yeah. So then as things stand now, well, for one, feels like this thing sure has taken a long time. The vote was, what, some two years ago, and Theresa May is still trying to get an actual plan for the Brexit through. There's a plan that she got approved by EU leaders last month. Yes, and that's going to a, a UK Parliament vote on Tuesday. So at the moment, there's five days of debating underway uh, huh. about this deal that Theresa May says she's agreed with EU leaders. Now, What's in the, the deal? E well, <laughs> it's just shy of 600 pages long. Um, okay, read it all right now. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I think the big issues are immigration, trade and bureaucracy. Now, you've got to remember, Sam, we're talking about 43 years of treaties to unpick here. Yeah. Um, but these are the, the kind of big issues. So immigration, we've kind of discussed. Um, and one of the things that the plan says is that people who are currently living and working in a different European country will be able to stay there and live and work there. Mm -hmm. uh, bureaucracy, we will incorporate the laws that we already use into British legislation. Uh, and then MPs here can take their own time to go through things and discard ones they don't want and, and keep ones they want. On trade, the transition period of Theresa May's deal says the UK should stay in the customs union and in the single market. That helps frictionless trade, i.e. moving goods across border without issues. But it's possible this transition period won't even allow enough time to make all these arrangements. So it might be 
that with permission from the European Union, this transition period could be extended until 2022. I mean, the vote, as you say, was in 2016. So people who are really vocal Brexit advocates are not going to be happy about that. They they want us to be out. They really want us to just leave. Um, But if you leave abruptly, does that just throw things into chaos? Yeah, so what you might uh, hear being thrown around is the phrase no deal, a no deal Brexit. And that literally means leaving the European Union without any sort of agreement. Mm -hmm. And if that happens without an agreement in place, then it ends. It it, it ends (laughs) where, you know, all of a sudden we're not part of the single market. We revert to World Trade Organization rules for for customs and things like that. Uh, Immigration, there will be potentially visa checks. It would be a tricky period, but some people would rather have... No deal. Some people say that the reason we're in this mess in the first place is because of these layers and layers of bureaucracy and treaties uh-huh. and rules and regulations. And the whole point of the Brexit vote was to get to out get rid of it. and yeah. to just be our own you know, yeah. country again. So from what I'm reading over here, it seems like everyone hates this deal. People that want to leave hate it. People that want to stay hate it. The EU hates it. The parliament hates it. Is that the case? When the government first started negotiating Brexit, the general view was that they were doing a good job. That view has deteriorated over time. And now Mm. more and more people think the government is doing a bad job of handling Brexit. One important thing to flag is that they also pin some of the blame on the EU. You know, there's 27 Mm. remaining EU member states we're negotiating with and lots of British people saying they're digging their heels in, they're being stubborn, they're making it difficult for us. But... But it's supposed to be difficult, right? Like it's supposed to be difficult to leave. It was was never going to be easy, no. Um, But confidence has has kind of dwindled. The problem Theresa May's got is that many of her own politicians are against it. So when it comes to this vote on Tuesday, honestly, it doesn't look like she's going to get it. So right now, with where things stand, it seems like no one can agree. There is no consensus. This deal might not make it out of Parliament. Knowing that. What is a likeliest scenario of what comes next? Like if you had to make a bet on where this thing moves next, what would you say is going to happen? What's going to happen? Do you know what? The BBC has a bunch of political correspondents mm-hmm. covering this, and I'm not sure any of them could answer that question. Really? It is so impossible to say. It depends so much on the mood of lawmakers and the mood of the country in the run-up yeah. to this vote yeah. on Tuesday Theresa May, as I said at the moment, doesn't look like she has the support in the House of Commons. Who knows if she will be pushed out and there will be a general election and the Labour Party will win and they'll strike their own deal. There really is no way of knowing. Yeah. All I know is whatever happens with this thing, I uh, fully expect to see fireworks in Parliament and I'm going to have my popcorn ready over here. Um, Do you know how they vote in Parliament? Tell you know me. how it's done on Tuesday? Tell me. So Parliament is hundreds of years old, obviously. They literally vote with their feet. Uh, <laughs> a vote is called, a bell rings, it's called a division bell, and that gives MPs just a few minutes to get to the division chambers. And as they're walking up to the House of Commons, they literally turn either left or right and go down different hallways. And then they go in the hallways, uh, their names are taken, the numbers are tallied, and that's how they vote. Gotta say, I'm heartened to know. Well, not heartened, but I I find some solace in knowing that y'all don't know what's going on with your politics over there either. It's a real head spinner. A real head spinner. 
All right, man. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Um, Rich didn't put me at ease at all. I didn't know that's how they voted either. Oh, I know. It's pretty cool, huh? Learned that. Learned that. Are you guys following Brexit closely? No. No, not really. I feel like in order to stay, in, to stay sane, there are certain stories that I've had to unsubscribe yeah. from. Which are Brexit and what else? Just, you know, certain things that are happening. You know, it's like I can't, I get overwhelmed. I, I have to like dip news. in and out of all the Cohen and like Mueller stuff that's uh, going yeah, on because yeah, totally. it's like, it's like a spy novel. I mean, there was a major earthquake in Alaska. Yeah. Last, like one week ago and I feel like a lot of people have forgotten about that That's already true. you know it's there's true. just there's so much and I feel like a lot of people to stay sane have kind of started skipping the newscast so, you know not not staying so tuned into everything I don't think that that's good but I think that sometimes it's necessary uh, anyway thanks again to Rich Preston of the BBC uh, I'll be watching across the pond I'm looking I'm into this story that's I it mean, and I it's, it does speak to like it's similar to a lot of the issues that are happening here, right? Or it's people make a decision and then they're living with the effects of that decision and it's sloppy and it's messy and who really knows where it's going to go. On that note, <laughs> it's time for a break. <laughs> when we come back, a game that will have an ending, a definitive ending. Mm. Who said that? Support for this podcast and the following message come from Buffy, the comforter made better for you and the earth. Buffy uses natural eucalyptus to create a soothing, silk-soft fabric and rejuvenates recycled bottles into a cloud-like fill, all to create a comforter with 4.8 stars across 13,000 reviews without cruelty or waste. Visit Buffy.co to experience the complimentary 30-night trial and use code NPR to save $20 on your purchase. Support also comes from Bombas. Bombas has re-engineered socks for ultimate comfort by getting rid of that annoying toe seam, adding arch support, and using some of the world's softest cotton. And for every pair purchased, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. To date, they've sold and donated over 10 million pairs. To feel the Bombas difference, go to bombas.com minute for 20% off your first order. Hi, it's Linda and Sam. We're back to remind you to support your local station and all of the rest of public radio. Where do they do that, Sam? Donate.npr.org slash Sam or donate.npr.org slash happy. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders here with two guests. Priska Neely covering early childhood for KPCC and Nate Rott covering the environment and the ecology and the West. The West. For NPR. The West. The West. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Y'all, it's time for the best part of my week. Every week, who said that? Who said that? Who said that? Never get tired of hearing that. No. I know. I also feel like one of you will know all of them and one of you will know none don't of them. Don't say that. Don't say that. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead. I'm tagging well, out. I'm tagging of you, out of this game I, right now. I know you both personally, and one of you doesn't really follow pop culture at all. Uh, you're looking at me, Sam. I, uh, I did, I did. Don't, bother, don't put that kind of pressure on me. You know this game stresses know. me out, Sam. I know. I, I know. Do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave. It's okay. The game is very easy. I share a <laughs> quote from the week. You all have to guess who said that, or at least get the story I'm referring to. The winner gets nothing. I'm gonna win this now. Now that you called me out, man. Okay, we'll see. Do it. First quote. First quote. Feed two birds with one scone. Who said that? No. Peter. Yeah. 
PETA said that. Oh, uh, this, this is what we the, the bacon thing. Yes. So yeah. this week, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, aka PETA, uh, urged all of us to stop using what they call quote anti-animal language. <laughs> So certain phrases that we use, they said are anti-animal. So their suggestions were as follows. Instead of saying, kill two birds with one stone, you should say, feed two birds with one scone. Wow. Be the guinea pig becomes be the test tube. Beat a dead horse becomes feed a fed horse. See, here's the thing. If you keep feeding a a fed fed horse, horse. though, that's also hurting the animal. Oh, oh, beat a dead. Yeah, okay. I think they could do better. Is is PETA going too far? It's. An, I mean, it is interesting that we say those things all the time. I did say to kill two birds with one stone early this week, and I was like, why am I saying that? But are, but are birds out here saying, please stop saying that, Priska? But why am I saying that? Why am I trying to kill <laughs> birds? Know. You know, it's, like, it's just one of those saying that you're like, why is this a saying? <laughs> Nate, you got one. Okay. Priska, you're at zip, zeal, And that's where I'm going to stay. A... I'm trying oh, wow. to lose. Okay. Looks all right. like I'm bragging on the playground right. later. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ready for the next quote? It is. If you look up from your cell phone, you'll see we're doing a show up here. Oh, is this Patrick Stewart? No. No. Isn't <laughs> Patrick Stewart? If you could turn back time. If you could find a way. Uh-huh. Who is that? Cher. Yes, there was an event, an incident, at the Cher musical this week. <laughs> wait, wait, let's step back. There's a Cher musical? There's a Sonny wow. and Cher musical on Broadway, and this week... That quote was tweeted by the actor Jared Spector, who was in that Broadway show. Uh, It's called The Cher Show, and uh, Jared Spector tweeted the following to Kanye West. If you look up from your cell phone, you'll see we're doing a show here, up here. He tweeted that because he says Kanye West was on his phone in the audience at the opening night of The Cher Show. That's a bold move. Yeah, I mean... The the actor or Kanye? Kanye. Yeah, but, well, but... I, I don't know if I would tweet at Kanye. Also, I wouldn't tweet something like that. I'm on this actor's side. Like, I don't phone away for a little but while. But I, I, I don't like the public shaming in that manner because we don't know what Kanye West was on his phone about. What if there was a child care emergency? What if there was some family stuff going on? You don't know. So it's okay to be mad about people on their phones, but I don't single out individuals because you never know what's on their phone and what they're dealing with. Also, everyone thinks it's cool now to beat up on Kanye West. He's been beat up on enough. You're in Kanye's corner? Are you back in the corner? I know you used to be in the corner. I I refuse to comment on his behavior, but I will say (laughs) he has become a whipping boy. Okay. I don't appreciate that. That's what I said. Sam said that. I object to that term. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Get PETA involved. (laughs) I'm going to come up with another rhyming alternative (laughs) shortly. Let's get back to the point, guys. I think I got the point there. You did. And I didn't, and that's my goal. But here's the thing. We'll make this last one worth three points. So, Priska, you could come back and win it all. Whoa, 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 whoa. With that attitude, you're definitely going to lose. Well, that's my goal. I'm changing the rules of this game. You're going to know this one, Priska. Ready? Here's the quote. I will be sure to make this year's Oscars a special one. Oh, um, Kevin Hart. <laughs> yeah, I, I let her have it. You let her win? I knew it, but just because she was devaluing the win so much for me by saying she didn't want to win, I had to. And okay. that's what I wanted you to think. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> She's still weightless. Manipulation. <laughs> so this quote came from Kevin Hart because after weeks of searching, it seemed, the Academy found a host for the Oscars. It was rumored for weeks that no one wanted the gig. 
Uh, it's a no-win, thankless gig. Mm. Everybody just gets mad. No everyone what gets saying. mad, whatever you do. But they finally got comedian and actor Kevin Hart to agree to host the Oscars. Uh, apparently, the folks that turned it down included Oprah, Justin Timberlake, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. They all said no. But Kevin Hart said yes, and this week said, I will be sure to make this year's Oscars a special one. A few hours yeah, after say, he right? said that... He said, I will no longer be hosting the Oscars. There was a whole um, dust-up over tweets of Kevin's from years ago that were homophobic. And Kevin said, I've apologized for this before. I don't want to bring it up again. But the Academy told Kevin Hart, if you want to host, you have to apologize for these things. And so Kevin apparently could not abide by that, so he stepped out. But in his announcement that he was stepping down, he apologized for the tweets. Uh, Wow. What I mean, what do journey. you know what the tweets were? One of the tweets from 2011, Kevin Hart said, Yo, if my son comes home and tries to play with my daughter's dollhouse, I'm going to break it over his head and say in my voice, Stop, that's gay. So homophobic and also just a dumb tweet. Yeah, yeah. I don't, not I don't a really funny joke. Trying it's not to do funny, yeah. um, on that note, by the new rules that I imposed, Prisca, you actually did uh, win. Yeah. yeah. So I used a little, uh, uh, you know, manipulation there. Reverse psychology. You're grinning from ear to ear, Priscilla. So congrats to me. (laughs) (laughs) That concludes Who Said That. All right, now it's time to end the show as we do every week. We ask our listeners to share with us the best things that happened to them all week. We encourage folks to brag. Let's take a listen. Hi, Sam. It's Rachel. And Taylor. We're calling from a plane. The best part of our week was when we got mimosas this morning at JFK Airport before flying to Mexico City. Happy Hanukkah! Hi Sam, this is Samantha from Columbus, Ohio, and the best thing to happen to me this week was having my first real conversation with my almost two-year-old son, Miles. He told me he saw snow and that it was cold and yummy. Hi Sam, this is Lindsay from Las Vegas, Nevada. The best part of my week was meeting and rescuing my new roommate, Greta. She is a senior English bulldog. I took her to meet Santa Claus, and she was such a ham, and everyone just loved her. Hi, Hi, Sam. Sam. This is Anthony. And Jenny. From Denver, Colorado. The best part of our week is our trip to Europe. We're in Budapest, Hungary right now, and... And we just got engaged. Hi, Sam. This is Natalie from Oklahoma, and the best part of my week is my husband and I are about to leave for the airport to head to Oslo, Norway, where we get to spend a few days with our exchange daughter who lived with us for all of last year, and we're so excited. Hi, Sam. My name is Mary Claire, and I'm a PhD student. This week, I left my backpack containing my laptop, tablet, and all my notes on the train. The best thing that happened to me was that as I was losing a race against the train to the end of the line, I got a call from the train conductor telling me he had found my backpack and would hold it for me at the last train stop. I was so overwhelmed I didn't get the conductor's name, but he's my hero. Okay. Have a great week. Thank you. Love the show. Aww. That's awesome. great. That is. And you got to say, I what happened to you this story week? as well. Yeah. And this turned out to be a best thing for me as well. Um, I was parked in a parking garage in downtown Culver City this week to go to a lunch meeting. Uh, and while I was having my lunch, someone broke into my car and stole my work bag. So crazy. Shattered my passenger side window. And um, they grabbed my bag, but they only took the laptop and then threw the bag on the street. Uh, but thankfully, someone walking by saw an abandoned Filson bag, picked it up, looked into it. They saw my press badge. They saw that it said NPR. 
And they drove my bag back to NPR West. That's so nice. And everything else was there. So thank you to whoever that was. Um, Found bags. Heroes. Heroes. Thanks to all the voices you heard there. Rachel and Taylor, Samantha. Shout out to Miles, Lindsay, Anthony, Jenny, Natalie, and Mary Claire. All of these are great. We get so many more that we can't play for you, but we love hearing them all. Keep them coming. Share with me your best thing of your week at any point throughout any week. Just email me a voice file to samsanders at npr.org. samsanders at npr.org. All right, it's time to go. We're going to go out on Janelle Monet with her song Pink from her album Dirty Computer, which is NPR Music's best album of 2018. Have you seen the video? Absolutely. It's so great. I like her. I like this kind of, I like the little, yeah. Uh, dun, 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 dun. She's like 50 years ahead of all of us. Love all right. song. Yes, very good song. All right, thanks to my guest, Priska Neely, covering early childhood for KPCC. Nate Rott, covering the environment for NPR. Y'all were great. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Going out the way I came in. Whooping it up. Whoop, whoop, Whooping whoop. it up. All right, this week the show was produced by Brent Bachman and Anjali Sastry with help from Alex McCall, our director of programming, who is on a much-deserved vacation, is Steve Nelson. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman. And our big boss is NPR's senior VP of programming, Anya. Brundman. Listeners, refresh your feed Tuesday morning for my chat with the musician PJ Morton. Uh, PJ Morton's actually a member of Maroon 5, but he mm-hmm. moonlights as an R&B artist, um, and he has a really good holiday album out right now with some awesome Stevie Wonder vibes. Hmm. We talk about that Christmas album. We talk about Maroon 5 reportedly performing at the Super Bowl next year, uh, which he says he can neither confirm nor deny. (laughs) All right, till next time, thanks for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. Talk soon. We got the pink. You are beautiful. (laughs) Thanks.